It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather and he who controls the weather will control the world. From COVID-19 to climate chaos, climate engineering, supply chain collapse, including our food from every source, what cards will the global controllers play next as their desperation to maintain their total control goes exponential? If you didn't like how 2021 turned out, you're definitely not going to like 2022. Question, how far will we make it into the new year without a total obliteration of our pre-COVID-19 reality? But was that former reality so wonderful for the majority of the global population? Not so much. Yes, many were and still are completely attached to the matrix, but it was never sustainable, not even close. And those in power are all too aware of that fact. Was that former reality in any way okay for what's left of the web of life? No, not at all. Many have falsely convinced themselves that if it wasn't for COVID, and if they had just managed to get their candidate into office, we would have all lived happily ever after. All of which, all of those notions are total delusion. The ship, i.e. planet Earth, was already going down by the day. Before COVID, those in power did and are continuing to do what they believe they have to do to maintain their hegemonic stranglehold on power until we collectively hit the wall at full velocity. Exactly what the controllers are up to isn't hard to decipher for any that conduct honest investigation and are then courageous enough to look straight at the wider horizon without flinching, blinking, or the usual turning away completely, eyes wide shut. Most in first world societies have been well trained by the controllers to shun any news that they find depressing. It isn't socially acceptable to share or to pass on information that is unpleasant. Those who do courageously attempt to share unpalatable information are labeled pessimists. But are they? Is it pessimistic to throw oneself toward the desperate task of sounding the alarm while it can still accomplish something? If you're willing to face the oncoming train, no matter how bad the news, you're on the right broadcast. Stay tuned, and we'll examine the latest breaking dire data from the front line of biosphere and social collapse, which are, for those that still refuse to see it, inseparable. All is completely connected. This is Dane Wigington, host of the commercial-free Global Alert News Hour, a weekly non-political report that addresses and connects the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. This is installment number 334 of the Bad News Broadcast for January 1st, 2022. Global Alert News weekly reports are brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of covert global climate engineering operations. This broadcast is now on the air in numerous AM and FM stations throughout the U.S. in Northern California, Oregon, Washington State, Colorado, Texas, Florida, Alabama, Ohio, New York, and most recently on the West Coast, Sacramento, San Francisco, and San Diego. An extended version of this weekly on-air broadcast is posted at geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent radio and top stories sections. If you wish to share your thoughts and perspectives on climate engineering and the other converging catastrophes that are closing in on all of us, join us on the geoengineeringwatch.org website. That's G E O. 
engineeringwatch.org. My most sincere gratitude to those that have helped geoengineeringwatch.org to expand our desperate efforts to sound the alarm. Look up. Ask yourself, where have our deep blue skies gone? Why are weather patterns now so erratic and chaotic and destructive? Why does direct sunlight now often feel so intense? And though there are indeed countless contributing factors regarding each of those questions, what core part of the equation continues to be denied by all official sources and the corporate media they control? Stay tuned. And this final note, to learn what you never wanted to know about ongoing climate intervention operations, view the groundbreaking new documentary film, The Dimming, available to view for free on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Much to cover. Let's press on. In regard to the controller response to unfolding biosphere collapse, i.e. CB19, let's take a moment to rewind to some of the not-so-long-ago quotes from Dr. Anthony Fauci, the highest-paid federal employee of all. In 2020, Fauci said this, quote, There's no secret that I feel that we should not have central mandates from the federal government, end quote. But guess what? Biden enacted a federal vaccine mandate anyway. This wasn't the first time Fauci bashed vaccine mandates. Here's just a few former examples. In July of 2020, Fauci stated mandates would be, quote, encroaching upon a person's freedom to make their own choice of their own health, end quote. In August of 2020, Fauci stated this, vaccine mandates would be unenforceable and not appropriate, end quote. In December of 2020, Fauci stated this, better if local institutions like hospitals mandate vaccines, not the federal government. In fact, let's back up and start over on all this. Let's hear flip-flopping Fauci Tell us in his own words what he said before he changed his mind. Listen carefully. There's no secret that I feel that we should not have central mandates from the federal government. I don't see it on a national level, merely because of all the situations you have upon encroaching upon a person's freedom to make their own choice. But we don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take the vaccine. We've never done that. I'd be pretty surprised if you mandated it for any element of the general public. That has not happened ever, to my knowledge, at a national level. You're not going to see a central mandate coming from the federal government. That's not going to be, I believe, a centrally mandated process. You can mandate things, but we we tend not to want to do that centrally. If you let the local institutions like hospitals make the decision, usually that's better than a central federally mandated system. I don't think you'll ever see a mandating of vaccine, particularly for the general public. It is extremely unlikely that you're going to get a central federal mandate vaccines. I I mean, I I cannot see that that's in the cards. It's not, I believe, going to come centrally. I don't think that that would happen, Randy, because it is very, you know, the way our government runs, that we generally don't like to demand that a state does something. And, you know, the nature of our government, our society is a federalist. Most of the time you leave a degree of independence and decision making to the state and local authorities. So I don't think that that would occur. But it's not going to be mandated from the federal government. But for the general population, you can't. I doubt very seriously if it will be a central 
federally government mandated vaccination. Well, you know, I don't think we've ever had uh, a situation where you mandate it for the general population. How many times did Fauci just say in separate interviews over extended periods of time that federal mandates for vaccines aren't going to happen? I believe he just stated it 12 times or perhaps 13 times. What's Fauci saying now? Listen carefully. New recording directly from Anthony Fauci. Um, let me ask you about something else uh, from, from the president's interview with, with David. Uh, the, the David asked uh, about uh, the vaccine, the lack of a vaccine requirement for air travel. There is no vaccine requirement for domestic air travel in the United States. Um, and, and when the president was asked, should there be one, he said that his team has, has said it's not necessary uh, at this point. Do, do you agree with that? That, that, that there shouldn't be a vaccine requirement for domestic air travel? Well, it depends on what you want to use it for. I mean, vaccine requirements for people coming in from other countries is to prevent newly infected people from getting into the country. A vaccine requirement for a person getting on the plane is just another level of getting people to have a mechanism that would spur them to get vaccinated. Namely, you can't get on a plane unless you're vaccinated, which is just another one of the ways of getting requirements, whatever that might be. So, I mean, anything that could get uh, people more vaccinated would be welcome. But with regard to the spread of virus in the country, I mean, I think if you look at wearing a mask and the filtration on, on planes, things are reasonably safe. We want to make sure people keep their masks on. I think the idea of taking masks off, in my mind, is, is really not something we should even be considering. Which but is that's a- what we meant by it depends on what the goal of getting people vaccinated before they get on a domestic flight. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the, the airline CEOs were suggesting that, uh, you know, that, that we may not no, may no longer need a mask. I hear you loud and clearly you disagree with that on, on, an, on the airplane. Takeaway. Fauci now seems to be okay with mandates as a, quote, mechanism to get more people vaccinated, end quote, and not just for incoming foreigners, but also domestic flights and other arenas within our societies. The news continues to be tightened. The bar continues to be raised. And taking off our mask is something we should, according to Fauci, quote, not even be considering. More from Fauci on masks in a moment, but first about mandates. What prompted Fauci to change his story yet again? I'll leave that to the listener to decide, but it's likely not the increasing numbers of science studies that are now revealing what Fauci and his controllers don't want the public to actually investigate. From freerepublic.com and other sources, a science report from Doctors for COVID Ethics, a growing group of doctors and scientists from 30 countries seeking to uphold medical ethics, patient safety, and human rights in response to COVID-19. From their report, titled COVID Vaccines, Why They Cannot Work, and Irrefutable Evidence of Their Causative Role in Deaths After Vaccination. Subtitle, Why the Vaccines Cannot Protect Against Infection. The report states a fundamental mistake underlying the development of the COVID-19 vaccines was to neglect the functional distinction between the two major categories of antibodies which the body produces in order to protect itself from pathogenic microbes. The report then states the first category, secretory 
IgA is produced by immune cells, lymphocytes, which are located directly underneath the mucous membranes that line the respiratory and intestinal tract. The antibodies produced by these lymphocytes are secreted through and to the surface of the mucous membranes. These antibodies are thus on site to meet airborne viruses and they may be able to prevent viral binding and infection of the cells. The second category of antibodies, IG, capital G, and circulating IgA occur in the bloodstream. These antibodies protect internal organs of the body from infectious agents that try to spread via the bloodstream. Vaccines that are injected into the muscle, i.e. the interior of the body, will only induce Ig, capital G, and circulating IgA, capital A, not secretory IgA. Such antibodies cannot and will not effectively protect the mucous membranes from infection by SARS-CoV-2. Thus, the currently observed, quote, breakthrough infections among vaccinated individuals merely confirm the fundamental design flaws of the vaccines. The report from Doctors for COVID Ethics then states this, measurements of the antibodies in the blood can never yield any information on the true status of immunity against infection of the respiratory tract. The inability of vaccine-induced antibodies to prevent coronavirus infections has been reported in recent scientific publications, including this one. They continue with this report from, again, Doctors for COVID Ethics. Subtitle of the report, The Vaccines Can Trigger Self-Destruction. The report states, a natural infection with SARS-CoV-2, i.e. coronavirus, will in most individuals remain localized to the respiratory tract. In contrast, the vaccines cause cells deep inside our body to express the viral spike protein, which they were never meant to do by nature. Any cell which expresses this foreign antigen will come under attack by the immune system, which will involve both I, small g, capital G, antibodies, and cytotoxic T lymphocytes. The report continues, this may occur in any organ. We are seeing now that the heart is affected in many young people, leading to myocarditis or even sudden cardiac arrest and death. How and why such tragedies might causally be linked to the vaccine has remained a matter of conjecture because scientific evidence has been lacking. This situation has now been rectified, i.e., you just heard the answer as an excerpt from this report. Review the report for yourself. Decide for yourself. Connect the dots for yourself. And now there's this from the dailywire.com and other sources. Is a fourth dose of vaccine coming? Question mark. From that report, top U.S. health officials are urging Americans to get a booster shot, i.e. a third shot, on top of their two shots of vaccine against COVID-19. And now some countries are moving for a fourth shot. How many more are coming? Is there any end to this? Is there meant to be any end to this? And does such a trajectory make any rational, logical sense, given the amount of science data that's surfacing, given the shocking data on the VAERS website, that's the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System site, tens of thousands of mortalities, hundreds of thousands of adverse reactions, many of them very serious, are being reported. And statistical data indicates all that are reported are only about 5% of the actual events that are occurring because so many are not re being reported because the medical industry greatly discourages 
reporting of vaccine adverse anything to the VAERS website. How can we know what's actually occurring? We can't. It's up to all of us to force disclosure. Let's turn over a few more stones. The new warp speed emergency approved COVID-19 pills. Those will save us, right? Here's a new headline to consider on that theme from ZeroHedge.com and other sources. Antiviral COVID pills cause life-threatening reactions with many common meds. That's something they're not really trumpeting on corporate media, is it? Report states, unfortunately, both Pfizer's and Merck's drugs, i.e. the new COVID pills, come with serious drawbacks. The biggest being that they can cause life-threatening reactions with widely used medications like statins, blood thinners, and even some antidepressants. And that's just what we know of so far. Back to Fauci's recent statements on masks, i.e. taking them off is, quote, something we should not even be considering, end quote. With that recent Fauci statement in mind, consider the following Fauci direct quotes as covered by Newsweek, MSM, The Washington Post, and other sources. In February of 2020, Fauci wrote, quote, masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. Fauci further stated this, the typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through the material, end quote, from Fauci. Better yet, let's hear Fauci tell us in his own words. Listen carefully. Right now in the United States, People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think mask, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. Let's stop and stand back for a moment to consider the whole official mask narrative, i.e. the current narrative. We're told to cover our faces with something, anything, even a sock or a bandana. All of it, we're told, will suffice. Question, have you ever seen any level four biolab worker just wearing a modified sock or a bandana? No, they're wearing a full hazmat bodysuit, complete with helmet and independent air supply. In February of 2020, U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams stated this exact quote on the record. Seriously, people, stop buying masks. They are not effective in preventing general, the general public from catching coronavirus. Wait. The Surgeon General said what? Exactly what I just stated. The Surgeon General of the United States, Jerome Adams, said, Seriously, people, stop buying masks. They are not effective in preventing the general public from catching coronavirus. Not my quote. Quote from the U.S. Surgeon General, Jerome Adams. But like Fauci, since that time, the Surgeon General seems to have completely changed his mind. From Axios.com and other sources, U.S. Surgeon General Jerome Adams defended his and other health officials' quote, reversal on whether people should wear face coverings to protect against the coronavirus, arguing on CBS News' Face the Nation, quote, when we learn better, we do better, end quote. So, on such an important issue, the U.S. Surgeon General didn't, quote, 
learn better before, even though he was the Surgeon General of the United States of America, he didn't know what he was saying the first time around? Is that even believable? Or is there more to the story? You decide. And while doing so, consider that prior to 2020, there was no less than 13 peer-reviewed science studies that concluded commonly available face masks, including an N95, cannot stop a virus. Let's forget about the sock and bandana. No need to answer that one, even though in April of 2020, Adams, again, the U.S. Surgeon General, stated this. CDC, Centers for Disease Control, is additionally advising the use of simple cloth face coverings to slow the spread of the virus, i.e. modified socks and bandanas. Just another day in the planetary asylum. Back to the, quote, safe and effective vaccines. First, the safe part. The latest statistics from VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System. The following data is from Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s childrenshealthdefense.org. As of December 17th, 20,000-plus deaths reported to VAERS following COVID vaccines. Again, VAERS. That's the Centers for Disease Control's Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System, on which, as bad as these statistics, which I'm about to give, are, the statistics are thought to be only 5% of the actual totals because physicians are discouraged from reporting this data to VAERS. But the recent data states this. The VAERS data released as of the 17th of December from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention included a total of 965,843 reports of adverse events from all age groups following COVID vaccines, including 20,244 deaths and 155,506 serious injuries between December 14th, 2020 and December 10th, 2021. Not asking anyone to believe what is stated in this report. I'm simply asking you to investigate this data for yourself on the CDC's own website, the VAERS website. The Vaccine Adverse Event Recording System. And about the effective part, from Fortune.com and other sources. Last week, multiple Carnival Royal Caribbean cruise ships returned to Miami with COVID outbreaks on board. The Future.com report then states, quote, Royal Caribbean said Thursday all cases were among fully vaccinated individuals. Royal Caribbean representatives did not respond to requests for comments from Fortune.com. No surprise there. Moving on, now let's consider this new report from Reuters.com and other sources. U.S. Centers for Disease Control investigates nearly 70 cruise ships hit by COVID-19 cases. And of course, again, the cruise ships are required to be fully vaccinated. Now this, from ABC News. U.S. Navy combat ship held at port after COVID-19 breakout among 100% immunized crew. And then there's the report I gave last week from Cornell University. The institution was shut down due to a flash COVID outbreak of nearly 1,000 infections amongst students and staff, all of whom were fully vaccinated, many of whom also had boosters. Question, does all of this add up to, quote, safe and effective? You decide. We are all truly on a runaway train of total insanity at this point for an expose on the circus of insanity that we call government and modern society. Check out the new Netflix film, Don't Look Up. And if you view this film, ask yourself, is the human insanity it exposes just parody or reality? 
except for the asteroid part, which was the metaphor for all that's actually happening and unfolding, but which they won't talk about or even try to expose on a Netflix film, fictional film, with much truth woven in. Anyway, the human race doesn't need to fear that an incoming asteroid will exterminate us and kill the entire planet. Based on our current trajectory, our species has already all but accomplished self-extermination in the geologic blink of an eye. And even now, with the oncoming train right in front of our faces, so few see it. But the willful blindness won't work for much longer. If the ongoing and accelerating global climate disruption operations were to be fully exposed to populations, the liability issue created for governments all over the world would be incalculable. Every single weather and climate-related cataclysm going back decades suddenly becomes a liability to all that were harmed, directly and indirectly. Once they, the public, know what has been done to them without their knowledge or consent, I ask this question, will enraged populations then take to the streets with their proverbial pitchforks and torches to seek out every single individual involved with weather warfare or with the effort to try to cover it up, i.e. corporate media and so-called weather disseminating agencies, which are nothing more than weather disinfo agencies. And will an awakened and outraged public then hold all of them legal and morally responsible? If by the collective efforts of those that are awake, aware, and committed to the common good, we can shine the full light of day on the climate engineering insanity We'll find out the answers to those questions. Moving on, let's consider this recent report from numerous sources. The world has now entered the first of four major phases of chaos and financial destruction. Follow me through with this report, and then we'll make clear how completely inadequate it is. The report states there are lockdowns, quarantines, compulsory vaccines, COVID passports, closed schools, closed offices, major industries like leisure, hemorrhaging, airlines going bankrupt, shortages of labor, components, products, closed borders, and for the few people who dare to and can travel across borders, more bureaucracy, paperwork, and tests than in a police state. At the same time, money printing and credit creation have gone exponential. The report then states, it is interesting that with almost 200 countries in the world, each country has different rules for how to deal with COVID. If all these rules were based on science, you would have thought that the rules would have been the same for all 200 countries. So now this report states the four major phases of what they call chaos and financial destruction. First phase, chaos number one, COVID. That's as far as I can go on that subject without being pulled from social media. I'll let the listener fill in the blanks. Second phase, chaos number two, global debt. Phase three, derivatives. For those that aren't familiar with derivatives, it's basically nothing. It's debt that's secured with nothing. Part of the stock market Ponzi scheme of artificial wealth. Chaos number four, time bombs. Let's look at these individually. The report states, If we look into the next five to ten years and paint a picture of what could happen to the financial system, the risk the world is facing is horrifying, the report states. And again, they're not even looking at the wider horizon. They continue, global debt will certainly grow from $300 trillion to at least $500 trillion. 
That figure, they say, is really a gross underestimate. They continue, we add that global unfunded liabilities, i.e. pensions, Medicare, etc., are easily $500 trillion. Finally, we add to the derivatives of $2 quadrillion, also probably too conservative. Again, derivatives, in essence, nothing with a value placed on them. The, the card house Ponzi scheme called the stock market used to pacify populations until the brutal bitter end, until we hit the wall. Artificial wealth. The only true wealth, by the way, is a functional environment and natural resources on which our entire existence completely depends. Report goes on with this. When counterparties fail, central banks will need to print all that money to prevent banks from failing. So the report says... If assumptions are right, global debt will have grown from $300 trillion to $3 quadrillion in the next 5 to 10 years. We'll never get that far. How clear is that? And there are so many, especially in financial institutions, that are so incredibly oblivious and willfully blind to the foundational factor on which all of their so-called wealth depends. A functional environment on which our lives completely depend. None of that in these equations. Total delusion. The report continues, it is important to get out of debt, they say. Why? I want to ask that question. Why would that be important? When everything completely collapses, who's going to be around to collect that money? Simply asking a very logical, rational question. They continue, own physical gold and some silver. That will be your insurance against a rotten financial system. This question then begs to be asked. What insurance will we have against a planet that doesn't support life? And how much good will that shiny metal do us at that point? Can we eat it? Can we shelter with it? Can we drink it? No. Question. What happens the moment when there's not enough to go around? I.e. not enough to eat, not enough to drink, nothing to shelter with. The law of the jungle happens at blinding speed, and about Earth's rapidly collapsing resources and life support systems. It is these factors that will soon determine the population of the planet. These factors, along with whatever additional cards the controllers decide to play next, will they choose to trigger a nuclear exchange to put enough aerosol particulates into the atmosphere to slow the runaway meltdown of planet Earth? We can't know. But we do know that their desperation is increasing exponentially with each passing day. Our dying planet can no longer support the totality of the human race. It's not an opinion. It's a mathematical and statistical fact. The decimation being caused by climate intervention operations, for example, are radically accelerating the equation while contaminating every breath we take, indeed the entire surface of the planet, soils and waters included. And there are countless other forms of completely destructive human activities that are pounding the nails into our collective coffins with each passing day. Many still falsely equate the planet's carrying capacity with elbow room, as if that's all that's needed for our species to keep expanding forever. Many are still falsely convinced that since the whole of the human race could fit within the borders of Texas, that this is somehow proof that there's no problem with populations and that the human overexploitation of the planet can continue. But such conclusions are patently false. The planet's carrying capacity is dependent on available resources and not unsustainably depleting those resources, which we, the human race, have already done to a staggering degree, indeed in a geologic blink of the eye. 
So again, I ask, what happens the moment there's not enough to go around? What cards will the controllers play? Consider this recent report. CIA advisor states, U.S. is closer to civil war than thought possible. From that report, a political science advisor who serves on a panel that advises the CIA on when countries might slide into civil war amid factors like undemocratic tendencies has identified the U.S. as further down that potential path than many or most could even imagine. She stated, we are closer to civil war than any of us would like to believe. That's a statement from Dr. Barbara Walter, who serves on the Political Instability Task Force, which guides intelligence analysis on countries overseas that might be on the brink of conflict and how many already are. There's about three dozen countries descending into chaos right now. Do we hear anything about it while they're showing us the latest scripted drama on corporate media or the distract and divide stories intended to polarize populations and thus keep their eyes off of the wider horizon until the last possible moment? To be clear, we don't just face a potential civil war in the U.S. We face total global societal collapse and simultaneous biosphere collapse, which is in fact the core causal factor to all that's unfolding. How will the criminal cabal masquerading as the U.S. government maintain control, at least for the short term? The U.S. government is increasingly using mercenary forces, which in overseas conflicts the U.S. government then doesn't disclose as conflict casualties. So the full extent of the mercenary forces are not known by the U.S. public. Question, how large a mercenary force do the controllers have at their disposal to attempt total control of the finally awakening U.S. population. Let's not forget the 2.4 billion rounds of hollow-point bullets that our government purchased in 2012 by agencies like so-called Homeland Security. Again, I ask, who are those bullets for? That's about seven bullets for every man, woman, and child in this country. Is that perhaps Plan B, if Plan A doesn't work out? And there's the 2010 census in which... The Census Bureau GPSed everybody's doorstep. And as I've stated on previous broadcasts, they hiked into my remote location twice to GPS my doorstep. Caught them both times. I contacted the Census Bureau multiple times to see if they had any legitimate answer for why they felt the need to do so. They never responded with any viable answer. Nothing. They had no reason for what they did. No reason for GPSing everybody's doorstep. But in a world that's filled with AI drones, and various means of the few to control the many, don't all these dots connect clearly? Whatever comes, biosphere collapse will remain the bottom line fueling it all. It is the factor that will trump all other factors. And definitely no pun intended because all occupants of the White House are mere puppets of the power structure. All of them, whatever political stripe they wear, means nothing. Two sides of the same coin. Moving on. Has there been a complete change in strategy by the climate engineers? It seems the answer is yes. Winter weather warfare is being waged on the western U.S., coming on the heels of years of engineered drought and wildfires. Let's connect some dots. Just last month from the New York Times, this headline, As drought conditions worsen, California expands state of emergency. Governor Gavin Newsom said it was, quote, critical for residents to step up their water-saving efforts as the state ends its second driest year on record. It's actually much worse than that. The true severity of what's unfolding is always downplayed, from official high-temperature readings to 
the underreporting of those and also the nighttime low temperatures, which are rising twice as fast as daytime highs, always underreported to mask the severity of what's unfolding from populations until the brutal bitter end. Now, this from only two months ago, can trying to give an idea of the radical change that has occurred in the scheduled weather in recent weeks. Two months ago from CNN and many other sources, this, the drought in California this summer was the worst on record. Again, based on paleo data, the drought in the West is the worst in at least 1,400 years. Three months ago, this headline from September of this year, the LA Times stated, hot, dry conditions worsen California drought. They state it's a combination of two things, a lack of rain, well, that makes sense, doesn't it? I wonder how many scientists it took to figure that one out, and those thirsty atmospheric conditions that desiccate the landscape for much of California. Consider again, climate engineering aerosols are desiccants. Aluminum nanoparticulates are desiccants. What do they use to put in deodorant? Aluminum. And think how incredibly insane that is, unless you look at through the eyes of the controllers who stand to gain from a population that's less cognitively functional and less healthy. Fluoridated water, mercury, and aluminum in various medical treatments. We know what those treatments are. By the way, the combination of mercury and aluminum makes the overall toxicity of those two metals up to 10,000 times worse. That's 100 times worse. That's based on peer-reviewed science study. All of this to help us, the controllers would tell us. But sorry about getting sidetracked. Anyway, climate aging aerosols are desiccants. They dry out atmospheric moisture. Can't have less overall moisture, less overall rain on a rapidly warming planet unless there's a factor we're not being told about. That factor is climate engineering. They have been droughting out the U.S. West very aggressively overall since 2007. And it seemed that was still scheduled until only a few weeks ago. One more article on this front. Recent article from the Desert Sun. La Nina arrives threatening to worsen California drought and wildfires and further strain food supply. And as I cover more headlines, this footnote for the record. In previous years, as I've stated in this broadcast multiple times, I've personally met with Gavin Newsom in his office at the Capitol to present geoengineeringwatch.org data on climate engineering. Met with Gavin and his top aide. They didn't refute the data because they couldn't refute the data, because it's irrefutable. It's solid and verifiable. I've had closed-door meetings with five top California EPA officials. I presented data to the California Energy Commission at the Capitol. I spoke to the entire California Air Resources Board. I've made six additional trips to the Capitol over the span of several years, and each time I distributed geoengineeringwatch.org printed materials to every single congressman's office, every single senator's office, every single committee office. I thoroughly made the rounds, so to speak, again, six additional times with my son and daughter carrying all the boxes of printed materials throughout the Capitol in order to get the job done. The so-called elected officials and the rest that I just mentioned that are all part of the criminal cartel known as the government of California know full well what's going on in our skies. They've officially done nothing to date that we're aware of. But nevertheless, the weather makers have now miraculously whipped up a parade of so-called winter storms that have arrived just in time for the holidays. And it would seem to save the day on the water situation in California, or at least to alter public perception and to blind them to the oncoming train of unfolding planetary omnicide 
being radically accelerated by covert climate disruption operations. Don't eat the snow or drink the water from it. And no, I don't say this in jest. I know firsthand several California state scientists that are trying to bring the climate engineering contamination to light. Geoengineeringwatch.org hopes that our pending legal action, which we'll publish more on soon, will allow us to subpoena these individuals for their testimony in a court of law in this state. And for the record, the legal effort is about one goal, exposing the insanity in our skies once and for all. About the sudden complete change of scheduled weather for the dead and burned formerly Golden State, from last week, here's a sample of the kind of headline that the climate engineers and their controllers love to create. California's Sierra buried by up to 11 feet of snow, more ahead through New Year's Eve. And there's this similar headline, again, the type that the climate engineers absolutely strive to create. Lake Tahoe shatters 50-year December snowfall record with more than 16 feet of snow, more than the 11 feet just mentioned, of course. Tahoe is the new Boston, i.e. the public propaganda centerpiece. In 2014, the climate engineers hammered Boston over and over and over with record snows produced from the record warm Atlantic just off the coast using patented processes of chemical ice nucleating elements. More on that in a moment. But they created sensationalized headlines in Boston. It's all we saw. What weren't we told at that same time in 2014 while they were touting the snows in Boston? The Sierra and some of the mountains 14,000 feet up had nothing. No snow. But nobody said anything about that. I'll expose the contrast in a moment. Follow me through with these headlines. But the weather makers decide where they will dump mountains of chemically ice-nucleated frozen material and where they won't. The longer they carry on the chemical ice-nucleation cloud-seeding operations, the colder the surface temperatures generally become. But to be clear, so-called forecasting sources now commonly call for snow to begin falling at temperatures far above freezing, even into the low to mid-40-degree range. So-called heavy wet snow is all too often the result. Snow that adheres to tree foliage, toppling trees all throughout the forest. Again, the root system's already compromised due to the toxic heavy metals, starting with aluminum that's in the rainfall. Toxic metals that are sterilizing soils, killing soil microbiome. That's why we don't see any soil duff decomposition in the forest. And there's the defoliants that are clearly being used, as I've spoken in previous broadcasts, in some of the fall rains that are causing leaves to die and hang on the trees. And I hear from people who claim that their education has taught them this is normal. It's not normal. Just because a power structure controlled institution tells you it's normal doesn't make it so. These trees, like liquid ambers, sycamores, they are not meant to support a crown full of dead leaves all winter. That's absolutely a result of something very unnatural and certainly very toxic. So back to the heavy wet snow, as it's now called, that's often begins to fall at temperatures far above freezing. Here's a few AccuWeather.com quote forecasts, i.e. the schedule weather, right off their site. 39 degrees with a little snow. This is for various days. Here's another one. 36 degrees, snow late. And one more. Actually, a forecast for this week. In Northern California, 47 degrees with a bit of morning snow. Why is it snowing at 47 degrees? And how come people don't ask questions about that anymore? They just accept everything at face value, they're told. Why is that? 
decades of programming, decades of being trained not to question the official narrative, that somehow doing so is unpatriotic, socially unacceptable. When will that change? And we don't have much time. In an overall context, chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding temporarily dries up and disperses much of the moisture flows. This is an aspect of endothermic reacting materials, i.e. energy-absorbing elements. Search and review the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more about these processes. Again, they are patented processes. We have governments like China previously announcing they were engaging in this practice with many forms of major media covering it. Went over that in last week's broadcast. Please help geoengineeringwatch.org to expose this core component of climate engineering operations, engineering winter weather. Creating the widest possible expanse of sun-blocking cloud canopy is one of the solar radiation management agendas, but they can, when they want to do so, concentrate snow blasts to create the scenarios and sensationalize headlines that they need to craft public perception, division, and continuing confusion in regard to the true state of the climate. On that note, this headline from multiple sources, Western U.S. to close 2021 with record cold and feet of snow. From the report, the weather undoubtedly created headaches for travelers and residents at times, but it has also proven to be very beneficial in building up an expansive snowpack, again, don't eat that snow, across most of the mountain ranges in the region. Through the final week of 2021, the cold and unsettled weather regime is expected to continue. Record-challenging cold weather will remain in place across the Northwest early this week, resulting in impressively low snow levels. In some locales, Sunday morning, snow is reported down to sea level in Washington. Of course, don't look at the temperatures again that are far above freezing in so many cases, which they can lower if they continue the process, as I stated. They end with this. Snowy pattern has ski lovers jumping for joy. Pacify populations with toxic snow or any other thing you can use to pacify them. Artificially inflated stock markets. Tell them whatever they want to hear until the brutal bitter end. The Weather Channel disinformation actors also commonly push wind chill temperatures in a very deceptive manner, a manner in which their viewers can be and likely are deceived into believing that the wind chill temperatures are the actual temperatures, which of course they are not. More breaking biosphere collapse headlines in a moment, but first, the latest Weather Channel theatrically named Engineered Winter Weather Events. Winter Storm Atticus, Winter Storm Bankston, Cary, Delphine, and now Elmer in December alone. December 1st is the official start of meteorological winter in the Northern Hemisphere. What agendas are accomplished by the Weather Channel disinformation actors naming completely engineered winter weather events to sensationalize those events? Question, do the Weather Channel minions know that the public is waking up to the part they are playing in the ongoing climate engineering cover-up? Flashback to... This Weather Channel headline footnote from the first day of winter last year in 2020. Quote, dubbed Winter Storm Dane by the Weather Channel, the storm system has dumped more than a foot of snow in the past 12 hours. Just the kind of winter weather headline that the controllers need on the first day of winter to make sure populations believe the planet is not actually melting down. Because winter is happening somewhere, that's how the game is played. I'm sure the name thing had nothing to do with my constant on-air attempt to expose the Weather Channel paid liars. And in regard to that mission, I can use all the help I can get. Let's head to the far north for some headlines that are not being sensationalized, or all too often even mentioned. From the Washington Post, Alaska experiences record high temperature for December and freezing rain. The report states, 
Kodiak soared to 67 degrees on Sunday, while other towns experienced record rain. Some of the nighttime lows in Alaska were over 50 degrees. Let's put this into context. Imagine running a 5K and winning the race by a full 10 minutes. That's analogous to what's transpiring in Alaska at the moment. An exceptional slew of records has tumbled in the wake of extreme warmth with highs up to 45 degrees above average. On Sunday, the Kodiak tide gauge hit 67 degrees as stated at 2.17 p.m. In addition to being a local record, it set a monthly record for the entire state for December. The anomalous warmth has also brought record moisture with top-tier rainfall totals thanks to the air's capacity to transport more humidity. Been over that on broadcast after broadcast. Must rain more overall on a warming planet. The atmosphere carries 7% more moisture for every degree C of warming. Based on frontline data, we are likely past 3.5 degrees C warming right now over pre-industrial temperatures. About the freezing rain in Alaska and so many other locations, often the endothermic reacting chemical ice nucleating elements hit the surface before they set up and freeze. That's exactly why there's so many ice storms now. And now we have, commonly, we're told a warm side to winter storms and a cold side is there often pumping moisture from the record warm Gulf of Mexico up the eastern U.S., chemically ice nucleating it all the way along. And there's an ice storm transition zone between the warmer moisture and where it finally starts to nucleate to some sort of frozen material. You have a transition zone of, of ice storm now. And the reason is climate engineering and chemical ice nucleating elements. And they are hitting the surface before they're setting up and freezing. You don't have a warm side to a winter storm and a cold side since when? Can people remember what weather used to be like? And now they believe any yarn that the disinformation so-called meteorologist can cook up and spit out? This final excerpt from the report regarding the record warmth in Alaska. They state the ongoing warmth in Alaska is tied to a sprawling dome of stagnant high pressure located southeast of the Aleutians in the northeastern Pacific, reinforced by unusually warm ocean waters north of Hawaii. The high-pressure heat dome is inducing sinking air. That brings about additional warming. I've been over this broadcast after broadcast after broadcast. The ground-based ionosphere heater Microwave radio frequency transmission facilities like HARP can and are creating an electrical chain reaction in the ionosphere that creates a dome of high pressure. There's about a hundred of these facilities around the world. They are decimating the planet's life support systems, and this is known technology. is not disputed. This is not theory, speculation, or hypothesis. This is how they steer upper-level wind currents. That's how they steer precipitation. And we have the entire so-called meteorological community ignoring all of this, so-called academia ignoring all of it, so-called elected officials ignoring all of it, so-called official agencies ignoring all of it. And all the while, the weather warfare rages on in our skies in various forms, from record droughts to deluges to engineered weather and temperature whiplash events. Where is honor? When will the legions of liars in so many arenas summon the courage and virtue to tell the truth? When? When there's nothing left to salvage of our dying planet, there can be no legitimate discussion of climate anything from any perspective without first and foremost acknowledging and addressing the climate intervention operations. Back to the U.S. West. A recent report from TheAtlantic.com stated this, acute scarcity drives the search for water underground. Again, when there's not enough to go around, the law of the jungle will prevail immediately. Food production will crash. Shells will empty out. Wait and see. It's coming soon. The report then states what hangs in the balance is even more than the loss of livelihoods, commodities, or an entire region's economy. They state 
it is the character of who we want to be as a people. Question, who do we want to be as a people? Next question, who do we want to be as individuals, as fathers, as mothers, as brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, friends, neighbors? As we march forward into 2022, what kind of human beings do we want to be? The light on the horizon, or what's left of it, is fading fast. If we are going to collectively make a difference, if we're going to stand and be counted, it's now or never. The complete collapse of what was is a given. Now, what remains to be known is this. Can we yet salvage enough of Earth's remaining life support systems so that some might make it through what's coming? And if so, will they carry forward the knowledge of what once was? Will the survivors carry forward the lessons necessary for our species to advance beyond the current low level of willfully blind self-extermination? Collectively, we must learn to look past the circus of scripted mass distraction theater being pumped out by the power structure and their media minions. We must focus on dealing with the single largest hole in the bottom of the boat, i.e. the planet's collapsing life support systems. All forms of human destruction to the planet must be halted starting with exposing and halting the single most destructive human activity of all, climate intervention operations. If we can accomplish that, we can at least buy time. We can then begin to focus on a long and growing list of other challenges. As the proverb goes, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. In regard to halting the climate engineering insanity, that, if accomplished, would be a quantum leap in the right direction. The planet must be allowed to respond to the damage already done on its own, or we have no chance for even near-term survival. Each of us, all of us, must learn how to effectively and efficiently introduce dire data to others. Check the activist suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific details on what to do and how to do it. The clock is ticking. The hands are now near midnight. Please, please march with us in this most critical battle to sound the alarm. If we can reach a critical mass of awareness, countless wheels in this battle will begin to turn on their own. We would have a chance of stopping much of the insanity from the inside out, as many participants in it are awakened to the fact that they are quite literally participating in their own demise. But whatever the final outcome, choosing to do what is right because it is right is a life well lived. It's a story that ended well. No one can take that from us, ever. Please, make your voice heard. Make every day count. Until next week, stay safe, stay strong. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org.